0: You're listening to Work Thrive, a podcast for ambitious women cultivating thriving careers. And I'm your host, Katie Glenn. So let's get started. Hey, 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 welcome, welcome. It's Katie here. This is an unusual time to be launching a podcast, to be honest, but we move. I really hope that you're all staying well, that you're practicing social distancing, and that you're utilizing this time to Do whatever it is that you need. For some of us, that might be resting, rejuvenation, realignment. And for others, it might just simply mean doubling down on that career plan and that business plan. I'm really happy to have our very first guest on the show, Chloe Watts. Chloe is the founder of Chloe Digital, a tech support and strategic planning firm for influencers. And in this episode, we talk about it all from Chloe's journey as a tech enthusiast. So, how she decided to combine her love for technology and the world of blogging and influencing. She drops some gems about what it means and what it takes to build a very strong team and how we can find and finesse our own niche. She even shares her view on brand building today and what she thinks is possible for women who want to enter the blogging and influencer space, but are feeling like it might be too late. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. Five years ago you found a niche in the market to provide technical support and expertise to high-end influencers. Walk me through the journey from your initial enthusiasm for tech to launching your own boutique tech support firm.
1: Wow that
0: is a journey.
1: Um, So my interest in tech really stems from a very young age. Um, I was super geeky growing up in a sense that not in the way that the stereotypical geek is that we see on TV with glasses and like super nerdy, but I was kind of a geek at heart. I loved anything technical, I love mechanics, math, um, I love things that are structured structural systems etc um, and when I was younger, I you know used to try to save up to like buy a laptop or you know, I'd always be on the family computer, just anything I can do to do with tech. I, I'm not even sure what even drawed me to it so much, um, but I was really, really obsessed. And anytime I could be on the computer, I was, even though I had no idea most of the time what I was even doing on there. And obviously at that time, so I'm 30 now, so at that time, maybe when I was younger, you know the the internet was a completely different space the landscape was completely different so i would just go on the computer all the time and try to figure out how to do things and how things work i was more i wasn't so much interested in hardware or even software i was just more interested in websites um how they were built and how they were put together and as i started to stumble across tutorials on uh web design i got i became super super intrigued um, and I just wanted to keep learning more. I was so passionate about it. At the time, I didn't realize how lucky I was. But now looking back, I do realize that I was very lucky to identify a passion at a very young age. And that's that's the same thing. I've lo- I love it the same way now at 30 than I did when I was 15 years old. So e- maybe even more so, because <laughs> wow. um, there's more possibilities now. So because of that passion kind of being there within my heart as I was growing up I was also passionate about um, business entrepreneurialism um, my parents used to preach to me all the time about financial freedom uh, doing things that you're passionate about they never tried to force me to do any jobs that I didn't like doing they always told me that I should follow my passion and follow my heart which was really, really great because I know that for a lot of my other friends or people that i've met now that wasn't the case for them and i i do know that it can affect you when you do grow up so i am grateful that they did do that so as time progressed i was just trying to do different things trying to kind of get my foot in the door with web design or just coding or anything to do with the industry but at the same time the blogger space at the time was starting to become a thing very 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 small uh, especially in in London, tiny, you know, we all knew each other. It was that small. Um, and I had a few friends who were bloggers. Um, and whilst we were all trying to just figure the scene out, we'd often go to events or we'd go to talks or we'd go to meetups and just hang out with each other but I'd meet additional girls and they'd you know oh what's your blog called and I'd say oh I don't have a blog I actually am a coder and from saying that usually their face would be light up and think oh my goodness that's amazing I need help with my website I don't know what I'm doing and please can you help me so it was really really organic I love to help them they were my friends um, and I love doing it because obviously I love tech so as I started to notice that the industry started to grow uh, especially in America more so than here, but here did a catch up. As I started to see it to grow, I started to get an itch thinking, hang on a second, there's something here because these girls are really gravitating towards me being able to speak to them in the way that they understand and also understand the, the technical side so that I can implement the things that they're talking about. So as time went on, I thought, okay, well, there's definitely a gap in the market here to create some sort of business whereby I can provide them that type of support. Um, And that led me to starting the business. So yes, it was kind of me freelancing at at first and trying to um, help my friends or make a buck doing a small web design. But then I eventually came up with the idea to create a sort of subscription whereby all bloggers could get that type of tech support whenever they needed it.
0: Wow. It's incredible how you identified that niche. What made you decide to stick within that niche instead of branching out?
1: Well, at four, uh, sorry, at first, I had, I was already quite wide. I was doing websites for anybody within the fashion, beauty, lifestyle space. You know, when you'd go on my website back in 2000 and whatever, it would be, it would just be just too much. And I realized I found it very difficult to market my services because I was trying to cater to too many people. Um, And I was reading a lot of business books and they spoke a lot about having either a niche or a micro niche. So I decided to kind of gravitate to my micro niche which was the influencer market because I was already starting to get known in that space and it was a lot easier for me to be known in that space than just a general wider fashion and beauty lifestyle space so that's why I decided to kind of laser focus there and then that helped catapult my profile because then everybody within that space knew each other so when somebody needed help um, they'd tell their friend who was also an influencer and they'd say, oh, have you heard about Chloe? Um, she actually helps me with my site. So it kind of catapulted like that.
0: And how did how did Chloe Digital scale from a one-woman freelance brand to now a business with how many team members? So there's 15 team members uh, currently and growing as well this year. Um, so that
1: was completely organic. So the fortunate thing for me was because I could code and also i could speak to the clients and message them i just did it myself at first so i'd get i'd i uh, was so busy because i'd have calls to see if i can get people to sign up then once they'd sign up i'd be the one then messaging them when they had a support request then i'd also be the one editing their website and even doing a bit of design which i'm not a designer and um, i would kind of whip over some tools and hope for the best Um, So it was just kind of me and at first when there was about maybe 10 to 15 clients, it was just me and those girls. And it was so fun because even though I I wasn't making a profit or anything, but it was just so fun to interact with them and help them on their websites and kind of guide them. And I started to find that not only was I given tech support, but I was also given strategic advice as well, uh, which then led in the future for us to add on a digital strategy arm whereby we provide them with strategy to help them grow their businesses um, because I was just doing it naturally and organically. So as I started to bring on more clients, having these calls, like, there was one point that I was just having calls like up until midnight every single night because most of our clients were American because in America, it was easier for them to understand the concept than it was in England. So I was having calls with those Americans. Um, and because of the time difference, I would be on the phone till about midnight. And they'd say things like, oh, is it late over there? And I'd be like, oh, no, 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 it's not too late. But yet it's literally midnight. And I'm so tired. But I had to do it because I knew I had a kind of a spreadsheet of the, of the targets that I needed to hit in order to hire um, to bring on my first hire, because I wanted to get to, I think it was like 20 clients. So then it would be $2,000 a month. And that would enable me to hire the first person. And at the time I was living at home with my parents, I wasn't paying any rent. Um, so I was fine to give all the money that the business was receiving to the first person. Um, and I continued to do that model for the first few people until it started to make a profit. So did you not pay yourself? No, 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 not at the beginning. When you first start, you don't even care that you're not being paid because it's so fun. Um, It's so exciting. And obviously, I had that cushion. If it was a different circumstance where I lived by myself, I had to pay rent or I had children. Obviously, things would have been different and I might have needed a bit of startup capital. But because I had those conveniences, I was able not to pay myself for a short while so that I could bring on new
0: talent. And did you start Chloe Digital by the sounds of it? It sounded like you took a leap of faith. Or was this something that you were working on the side whilst you were working at an agency?
1: So it was a bit of both. So I had the idea of Chloe Digital in terms of having a business with that name for a couple of years before I actually started uh, the membership. So I used to use Chloe Digital as my freelance name when I was working at agencies, but I was doing a bit of work on the side. And then over time, um, I did, I did realize, okay, this could become a real business, but I wasn't kind of sure what it would be. So when I had my last agency job, I actually got fired from that job because, uh, they were merging with another company. So anybody who was within the probation period just got let go. So I got let go after three months and this was the summer of the, uh, the Olympics that we had in, in London. Um, and it was just the best feeling ever because I had been to in and fro about taking the leap and starting starting the business because I felt so called and compelled to do it. And it, it's not a thing when you start a business where you're just like, oh, I want to start a business because I want to make money. It's not even like that at all because you don't even make any money. So it's like you have to feel, you know, connected um, to the mission. So that you feel like it's your responsibility to create this entity. And if you don't, then other people aren't going to benefit from what you haven't created. So once you start to get that feeling in your heart, you wake up every morning and think, I've got to do this. Like you feel, you literally feel like you're being pulled. Um, So then when that happened and they brought me into the office, uh, the HR, and said that we have to let you go, I just had the biggest smile on my face because I was like, thank you. Like, this is it. Like, if I ever needed a sign from God, this was it. So. so after that, it was that was kind of the um, the catalyst that I needed in order to, to start the business.
0: Yeah, I think what you said was so important because I think entrepreneurship and have, having a business is so much of a trend at the minute. And I think so much mm-hmm. so because everyone wants to make money and by all means necessary. But I think people get so caught up in starting a business to make money that they don't realise that it has to have some sort of purpose or reason if you're actually going to maintain it because yes. it is so hard. Like my dad's an entrepreneur and I've watched his journey and it's so difficult. So when people start stuff for the sake of money, it's almost like you're cheating yourself a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's counterintuitive for sure. Um, and for the longest time, you don't have any money.
0: So if you're not passionate about it, then you will give up. Absolutely. So you mentioned that you have 15 team members now. How have you ensured that new hires are suitable for the Chloe Digital journey? And has there been any challenges in hiring for the business?
1: With hiring, I must say that's one of the hardest things that I do in business. And I can't wait for the time where it's not something that I have to do because You know, exactly like what you said, finding the right people for the business is one of the most fundamental things for any business. If you don't have the right people, everything will go left field. If you have a rotten egg within the pack, they will then make others rotten as well, even though that wasn't even their intent. So you have to really make sure that you're finding the right people for your business. And this is something that I have struggled with in the past, got it right sometimes, haven't got it right other times. But every time I've learned such valuable lessons, like the biggest lessons of my business journey um, so much so that every new time I'm bettering my processes, bettering my processes, that's one of my favorite things as processes um, and systems in order to make sure that you're always doing a better job each time. So I always continue to to better my process. OK, well, why didn't that person work out? What, you know, what happened there? Uh, what could I have done better in terms of being a, a manager to that person? You know, how can I improve? What things can I do to improve? So continually seeing the learning so that you get to a sweet spot of starting to hire better people. People still get it wrong to this day. You'll have massive companies who will hire people that person may have had six interviews, and then, then you bring the person in and then turns out they wasn't the right fit. You know it can happen to any company, so for me it's about yes, making sure that that person has the skills required for the role um, uh, yes, making sure they have a can do attitude and all those types of things, um, but it all ties into the gut instinct of do you feel this person is going to work? within the team that you've made because a team is pretty much like a family so when you bring someone else in you got to make sure that that person gels with everybody else otherwise it throws everything off so will this person gel with the team and do I have the gut instinct thinking that this person will be able to thrive within the company if I don't have the gut instinct and yes that person ticks every other box then it's a no Um, and you can't even explain that because the times in the past when I've gone against my gut instinct it hasn't worked and I know you, you, you can read anything, any business person tells you the gut is the most important thing. And it is so right because sometimes I'll even test myself and go against my gut and just see things fall apart. Um, just to prove to myself that the gut is actually right. So if I ever get that feeling with hiring someone, like I said, if, if they've ticked other boxes, but not that one, then it's, it's a no. Um, and it was harder at first to be able to. You know, I, I didn't so much do that at the beginning because there wasn't that much of a pool of people that I could choose from in order to them to join my team. I didn't have a lot of money. You know, they wouldn't have been paid a lot. They have to be super passionate about the industry in order to, to join it and join me on that journey. Um, so it was harder at that time. But now it's a lot easier to actually make sure that every new person that comes to the company is the right fit.
0: Yeah. And since most of your clients are American, how have you navigated providing the service and um, when there is such a time difference does that mean that your team is quite remote?
1: Yeah so the entire team is remote so we're based out of multiple different countries and we cover pretty much every single time zone like 24 hours a day so um, it wasn't like that at first, at first uh, there was a very large gap that wasn't filled, and I literally used to wake up in the night and check my emails to see if anybody had sent in an SOS request, um, like because their site was down. Because we have like an SOS line, like if your site's down, uh, then you can message us, and then we'll fix it as as quickly as possible. Um, but at the time, we had a very massive gap, so I'd wake up every every night and try to like see if I could fix it myself. Now
0: um, it's fine because we have people. Who, like, every different hour oh wow okay so you had to make quite a lot of sacrifices in, in the beginning
1: oh yes I mean I'm still making sacrifices now but it's fun sacrifices but like even though I was waking up I wasn't mad
0: about it I wasn't big um grudged, like I was just happy like you said it's almost like a pull you know there's a difference between something that pushes you and you feel like you're forced mm. to do it versus that something that brings you in and pulls you exactly in, for me that's that's absolutely something that i've discovered that everything that has been a push or has felt forced it just it it just makes things a lot harder and it's a lot harder to sacrifice for it because you find that you're not actually as passionate as you think you are let's talk money then tell us a little bit about your subscription and membership based model and why you chose this model versus a paper request or paper project i love this question
1: so back when I started it, I was obsessed with subscriptions. Like I go through periods and I'm just obsessed with something and then my mind like marinates, marinates on it to create an idea from the thing I'm obsessed with. So that five years ago, I was obsessed with subscriptions. Um, I love the idea of having that recurring revenue. I'd researched so many businesses that had that revenue model um, and I'd researched like how they were able to grow, how they were able to grow their team. And different facets of the business. So I thought this is brilliant because before when I was freelancing um, and I was getting paid per project, you know, you could make £500 there, £2,000 there, you know, it's it's, it's all, all over the place. And in, to the outside world, I was ball and shot calling because I was an entrepreneur in inverted commas. But there I am living at home with no money because I don't know when I'm going to get my next paycheck. So it, it seemed cool because I made the brand look cool, but it actually wasn't cool in um, in reality. So with all the research I was doing about subscriptions, I thought this is a brilliant idea. I can have a low cost subscription that these bloggers can sign up for. A lot of them are Aren't at the time weren't making a lot of money, so I needed to make it a subscription that would be okay for them to pay for. So I kind of started with ninety nine dollars a month and 299 dollars a month, depending on the the tier. So ninety nine dollars was for tech support, and two nine nine was for tech support and strategy. So that worked out really really well because it just kind of comes from the person's account every single month. They see it coming out, but there's there's less stress or hassle. If I had to invoice people every single month, I can imagine the whole dynamic to be completely different because you have to wait for people to reply to you, send you your money, and then your cash flow is completely out of whack. Um, So this worked really, really well because at the time I used PayPal uh, reoccurring subscriptions. So once they sign up on the website automatically from their PayPal account every month, the money would be taken. And then over time, we actually moved from PayPal to Stripe because PayPal's uh, merchant fees are very, very high. So when you start to earn more revenue, they take so much money from you. You just it drives you insane. So um, we moved from PayPal to Stripe, whereby now they handle our subscription, but the the money is taken straight from that client's uh, account. And um, but Stripe handles the recurring subscription. So, uh, yeah, it worked really well. And like I said, as a new business, I was able to forecast uh, revenue earning so that I can uh, build a business. But we always did have another side, which was an agency side, whereby we do work off, off um, one-off projects. So when those clients mostly want to do a site redesign or do something a lot larger than the membership can handle, then we work with them on a one-off basis. Um. at that point, they obviously pay a much higher fee to then get a site redesign done.
0: Do you have any other revenue streams that you've implemented?
1: Yes. So those are our two main revenue streams. And then we have the third revenue stream comes from uh partnership. So we have a few different partnerships with some kind of larger scale companies, not most that I can even mention the name of. Um, But we work with them because the great thing is we have access to hundreds and hundreds of bloggers' websites. So that is a real draw to uh, larger tech companies. If they want to experiment um, and trial new products and services, we can give them that direct access to a whole pool of talent so that they can experiment and see if their product is worth um, moving forward with. So we actually also work with additional partners in, in that regard. So we kind of connect so the same way how like an influencer brand agency connects brands uh, with the influencer, we kind of connect the influencers with technical companies in order for those technical companies to build products.
0: Oh, wow. So you've really gone in and basically just you know shifted the industry to suit this passion that you have.
1: <laughs> 100%. I mean, the end goal here is to... You know, our mission statement is to empower these women to create and build the life of their dreams using technology. So that's quite a big statement. And that doesn't mean you have to have a blog or that doesn't mean you have to be doing a certain thing. It's a very wide statement because I want to eventually, with the business, build something. That's a real legacy, you know, and to get to a point whereby every influencer knows that to thrive in that industry when it comes to technology, you need CD and
0: we will build those products in order to help them. That's incredible. Basically, you know, being the ultimate expert in the industry, you have to be so good that they can't ignore you. And I think that's where... Chloe Digital is and 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 will continue to evolve being so good at the service that you provide for these bloggers and these influencers mm-hmm. that you cannot actually be ignored in the industry.
1: If I go to any event that has an influencer present and I say I mentioned Chloe Digital at least one person knows what it is. They've heard of it, they may follow us on Instagram, they may have a friend that tried the service and they were thinking of signing up. Just something that they kind of know the essence. And I'm ha- so happy to say that I've actually got there. So that means that, that we have really strong market presence. So for any future products that we want to develop, um, it's a lot more streamlined for us to be able to get those things out there because we already have market presence.
0: Absolutely. And if to think if you are going to be the ultimate point of contact um, for these influencers in terms of tech support and as far as digital agency wise... What steps do you think you now have to take to make that a reality?
1: Well, it's something that we're working on right now. It's like it's always being completely connected and transparent with the client, you know, through all of their different life journeys. I mean, we often talk about in the business about we aren't necessarily a B2B company or a B2C company. We're like a to c because these girls are, you know, they are business owners they run a business but it's a very personal business it's based on their personal lives so we're always cross between the two because we have to think okay well we have to be sensitive with them because they are like a a customer but also we want to be firm with them because they're a business and we want them to thrive always kind of communicating that message to them in order to kind of get them to their to, to their next step and from constantly being in communication with them it's enabled us to learn about what the gaps are in the market um, and see what the potential opportunities are. So I always said that having the membership is like a focus group that we get paid for because we're constantly learning about what needs to happen for, as a next step. And the thing is, this is a brand new industry. So you can't Google what someone has done before and think, OK, I'm, I'm going to make that business model. You know, if you're going to start an accountancy firm, a law firm, even a a normal web design agency, there's precedence for that that you can follow in order to create your own version. But for what we're attempting to do, there's no precedent. So we have to constantly be in communication and conversation with the client so that we can identify those gaps and then build the products to
0: fill them. Do you feel like there is a lot of potential trial and error because it's such a new, um, it's still very much a new industry? I mean, it kind of blew up maybe... started maybe 10 years ago 10 12 years ago and it's kind of really at its peak now do you think for you there has been a lot of trial and error for you and for the company for sure there's
1: yeah there's constant trial there's trial and error every single day of the week (laughs) we're always trying something but then you need to be able to be agile so if something works fantastic if it doesn't work you need to be able to be agile to pivot to do something else very quickly Um, And that's because we are a small business. We're able to do that, which is what I love. I love that type of energy. Um, But yes, it's it's constant trial and error. Um, But if you kind of have that mindset that you know that, you know, everything that you do is not going to work and you don't have any expectation on anything having to work. I don't have any expectation on any person or anything um, because it's not up to you. It's not dependent on you. So that way it allows you to be, like I said, have a more agile mind so you can kind of pivot when you need to. Yeah,
0: and I mean, I guess that means that you have to be a little bit more resilient to when things fail and when things don't happen.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, you build, <laughs> you build up
0: resilience
1: <laughs> big time. <laughs> when you get shot down so many times, you you
0: become very, very strong. And how have you dealt with with that? How have you dealt with failure and things just not working out how you thought they would?
1: Um how i've worked- worked with that is that I think with failure, you know when people say that fa- you fail your way to success, and it's actually the truth because it's not really a failure, it's just something that just didn't work out in the way that you hypothesized so You just need to make a change. You're not connected to that thing working. That's the thing. People get connected to the wrong things and then it brings them down if it didn't do the thing that they wanted. But if you're not connected to it, then that's not an issue. Like I'm connected to my larger mission statement. I'm not connected to one smaller thing within that. I'm connected to the larger message. So if I'm always thinking about that larger message, I'm always going to be able to create in order to fulfill that larger message. So when something happens, maybe in that moment you think, oh. I kind of wish that one did work. Um, But then you just move on because there's more to do.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I've definitely learned. And one thing that I always say is that failure is just information to pivot. It's not a license to quit. And I've learned that because every time I've tried to start something or I'm doing something with the podcast and it just doesn't turn out the way that I want to. It's like, do I do I give up or do I just pivot? And I have just learned to just pivot because now I now know something that I didn't know before. I've learned that, okay, this route doesn't work. Let's try something else. Exactly. You're continuing to build up your
1: armor. Once the business gets bigger and bigger and bigger, it actually gets harder and harder and harder. So you need to build yourself up ready for those bigger moments. Um, But if you're already going to collapse in the smaller moments or the smaller failures, if we're going to call them, then you're not even ready for the bigger ones.
0: Yeah, and I don't think a lot of people realise the emotional challenges or the mental challenges that come with running a business. How have you dealt with those?
1: For me, um, how I've dealt with dealt with it is by having a personal life, um, enjoying spending time with my friends, enjoying talking to them during Love Island, and like you know, just having fun and like and laughing and doing things that are completely not anything to do with work. Uh, going for lovely dinners holidays um working out eating healthy just things that just make me feel good as a as a person so that I can then bring my best self into work but that kind of came with time because at the beginning I was you know I don't kind of want to paint a picture whereby I was saying yeah I was having this amazing amazing life and then also um working super hard at the beginning I was just working I don't think I had a social life At all, Um, and we've spoken before about making sacrifices. Like that was a sacrifice that I was willing to make. Um, People used to say to me, "Oh, like Chloe's not going to come." You know, no one expected me to turn up to anywhere because I just wasn't turning up. Um, I wasn't eating healthy. I wasn't looking after myself. I just really was in a kind of a black hole with the business to help kind of grow it. Um, And that's something that I don't recommend. I, I do recommend that you need to focus on the business, but I don't think you should ever do that at the detriment of your own health and well-being because that is more important than any business is your health um even with my team now if something's going on and there's a crazy deadline but something there's an issue with health I'm like that's fine you go you go sort that out because um my favorite line is like uh, building websites with people is an open heart surgery like we're not actually saving lives so if the website takes another day that's fine You know, no one, no one's going to die because the website took one more day than expected. Um, But at first, like I said, I was so hands on deck because I was doing everything myself. But now I've made sure um, to make sure to put my health first because it's very, very important. And then you can bring your best energy to the business.
0: I've realized that when I take care of myself, I can operate at a level that is beyond me. When I'm good and I'm healthy and I'm taking care of myself, I'm, I'm spending time with my friends as much as I need to. And I'm quite healthy. I'm going to the gym when I need to. I have so much more energy to put into my work because I haven't neglected myself. Because ultimately, I'm pouring into myself so I can pour into my Exactly that. Work.
1: And it took me a long time to figure that out. It really did. And I'm not going to deny it. Um, but I have figured that out now and I'm working hard just to make sure that I keep myself um an optimum level so that yeah I can work better in the business.
0: A lot of the influencers we admire now have had their skin in the game for probably we like we said probably a decade or so and I think now a lot of people have realized that there is money to be made and there are opportunities in the influencer space. Having a lot of experience with bloggers and within the industry itself do you think it's still at all possible to enter the space as a newbie and still win and how?
1: Yes, I definitely think there's opportunity for more people because now the the landscape has diversified. So before it was, you had like your fashion bloggers, right? So you had your beauty bloggers over there, then you had your YouTubers over there. Um, and then it was kind of like everyone was then trying to fight for the same goal, the same opportunities. Um, and it's to me, it just reminds of like being models, like the same opportunities. Um, and therefore when everyone's fighting for the same opportunity, then obviously if someone else comes into the the landscape, then um, it becomes harder and harder for those people because instead of five people fighting for it, it's 100 people fighting for it, but that's for the one thing. Now that we've been able to have the industry around for a few years, people have started to understand that in order to be successful, they need to diversify. So it's not now just about becoming the super influencer and being invited to every single fashion week. Now, Hardly any of those goals go to any fashion week anymore because it doesn't make any sense for their business because they realize actually I, am, I am, sorry, I'm not fighting for that goal that I thought I was fighting for. I'm actually looking inside myself and thinking, what am I actually passionate about and how can I use this influence in order to fuel that passion? So once you then look at it from that angle, it completely opens your eyes up to a multitude of opportunities because you can create a business in anything. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not the status of being the super influencer anymore. You're just using your influence to do all different types of things. Everything is kind of opened up. This, to me, is the most exciting time to get into the market because we've got people, we've got clients who are starting their own tech platforms or their own apps or their own co-working spaces or their own all these amazing things. Um, because they understand what their passion is, they understand their audience, and then they're making a business according to that. And they they kind of putting their blinders on to what other people are doing, so that they can make a successful business. Because once you're, if you're always looking at what everyone else is doing, that's why in the past everybody was on that same road to be the same thing. But now, if you stop looking at what other people are doing, you just think, what do I like from within? It then opens up to so many different things that they can do, and that to me is so exciting. So. If you if you are wanting to start now, I'd say go for it. You know, before people would think, say, we, if we use Instagram, for example, people would think they need to have a certain amount of followers in order to be successful, but you don't. There's people now, there's success stories of people who may have 1,000 followers, 10,000 followers, and have made very successful businesses because they've really honed in to one specific niche.
0: Um, so, yeah, there's lots and lots of potential, I feel. I think it's so important when you said they're putting their blinders on um, I think that's so important because comparison is so easy to sneak in, especially in, yes, in a digital age joy. yeah, it absolutely mm-hmm. is and it it's so easy to sneak in, especially in this age where we have so much access to um people's lives on Instagram or Twitter or whatever new social media is out there now. How have you how have you navigated comparison? Have you ever struggled with it?
1: I have um, struggled with comparison. Um, I think, especially with Instagram, it's very easy to compare yourself to other people. You know, on a on a, per- a personal level. And then it is very easy to compare yourself to other businesses, uh, other businesses that might have started the same year as you or be in the same field as you or somebody who's the founder who's the same age as you. Like, it's very easy to think, oh, they're doing this. Why haven't I done that, et cetera. Um, but whenever that kind of creeps in, because I'm a human that can creep in, I just realign myself with what my goals are, and what my mission is. And therefore, once I just do that, I've, got, I've kind of created a habit to do that. So that I never dwell thinking that I should be somewhere else
0: um, and not where I am right now. Yeah, I think that's absolutely, absolutely important. I think especially in our professional lives, whether that's building a business or our nine to five jobs or whatever it is, it's so easy to compare ourselves to the next woman. Whereas the reality is we really should be just celebrating the milestone that that person has made and use that as inspiration That we also can do the same for ourselves. Um, Yeah, so I think that's absolutely important. So, what advice would you give to someone who now wants to build a brand or a blog, but they're not sure where to even begin?
1: My best advice is to begin within, which is why, what's your purpose? What's your why? What's your mission in this life? Um, One of my favorite books, which is called The E Myth uh, by this guy called Michael Gerber, at the end of it, he kind of compels you to um well spoiler alert he kind of compels you to kind of write what your eulogy would be of what you'd want people to say about you at the end of your life um and you know at that end people won't say things like she managed to get to 10 million instagram followers she managed to make you know, a, a unicorn business, like no one's going to say that in the eulogy. They're going to talk about how you affected other people's lives. Um, and all those good things that you then did. So once you kind of think about what is the kind of those feelings and, and that vibe that you want to kind of come across at the end, you then kind of work backwards to think, okay, what do I do in order to then make that impact? It's that simple. Everybody always does it the other way around, but you're supposed to start at the end and then come back to today. So then once you kind of know the the feelings kind of, it's not the kind of quantitative side, it's the qualitative, you know, what are those feelings? What is that impact that you want to make on people? Then you couple that with what you're passionate about, you know, what drives you, what makes you excited when you're not making any money doing it. You couple those two things together and you'll find your sweet spot.
0: Go into the fast five round where I'm going to ask you five questions and you just answer with the first thing that comes to mind. Is that all right? Sure. Okay, so could you tell me about a software resource or app that's helped with your business that you'd recommend to our listeners?
1: Yes, I'd recommend Slack. If you don't know what Slack is, Slack is a communication tool. It's an app that you can have on your laptop and also on your phone in order to communicate with other members of your team. So Old school vibe is when you're communicating with your team, you might send them an email. That to me is so bizarre. We communicate everything via Slack. and We have multiple channels to speak about different things. So I could be speaking to the same person uh, in three different channels. And it just makes it easier to identify what we're actually talking about in order for us to move fast. Um, So Slack is one of our fundamentals. We've used
0: it since the uh, inception of the business five years ago. A personal habit that has helped you in life and business
1: personal habit is waking up early um that's something that I go through periods where I do it for a long period of time and then I fall off but it's something that I'm always striving for because those hours in the morning are the most precious hours they're so precious and they're more precious than in the evening hours you know it's those it's kind of that like six to six to nine, six to 10 is the most precious time because nobody's emailing you, nobody's calling you. You've got your own, you're in your own zone. Um, So you can really start the day how you want to, whether you want to start the day with exercise, whether you want to start the day with scripture reading, however you want to start the day to kind of get yourself or meditation to get your mind right. Oh, it's just perfect. And then when you have to go take on the day, then nothing kind of brings you down because you've already set yourself in the right place.
0: What's a book, podcast or event that has helped you significantly in the past year?
1: I choose a podcast and I'd say uh, the Second Life podcast by Hilary Kerr from uh, Who, What, Where. Uh, That podcast is amazing. She interviews women who are on their second life. So they've had one career and they're on their second one. Um, and just kind of, she just speaks through their stories They're Most of them are entrepreneurs, so they're entrepreneurial journeys and her interview style is so compelling, um, that you just end up just listening to like 10 episodes like back to back. Cause it's like so interesting. And She gets, she asks the right types of questions that you want. You know, there's little nuggets you, when you listen to an interview, you're like, Oh, I, I want to know this. Um, and she always asks those questions. So it's one of my favorite podcasts.
0: One lesson you have learned the past year that helped with your professional and personal development.
1: Wow, one lesson I've learned in the last year is to have fun and let go because business is very stressful. Every day there's something always happening that can be uh, stressful. So even just today I was just looking on Slack and there's an issue with our website and I think it went down for a period of time you know and for someone else that would be like emergency site down But I'm just like you know what I've got the best team it's gonna get fixed um it, it's gonna get done so I just try to kind of let go make light of the situation and just kind of have fun because that stress when you kind of bring it into your heart it actually affects your health and your you know your physicality and and I'm just not about that so I like to, when I kind of see things, you know, I like to keep them external from me as a person um, and whether that is in business or in life. And I'm like, okay, this is happening, um, but how can I kind of seek joy from what's happening? How can I kind of think of the, the positive um, spin on what I'm
0: experiencing? So finally, what's a word of advice you would share with women who are working to cultivate their own thriving careers?
1: If you have the instinct to do something, go forth and do it. Now, often when people hear that, they think, okay, yes, I want to do something, but then they get lost in the how. How can I get this done? How is crap? How is, not, how is not a concern? So once you kind of let go that you actually don't know how to do something and you know that you want to get it done, you will then attract the right resources to be able to get it done. It happens every single time. I've tested this method so many times over and it always happens there's things that I'll dream of and think oh I really want to do this and I've got no idea how to do it but it's like we're, this is 2020 like you can research anything you know it's not like say it's our parents age and they might have had an idea to do something and then maybe they're hitting up the library seeing if they can find a book you know we just google anything and we can find any information that we need so if you feel compelled to actually do something it's a calling you must do it and you will figure out along the way how to get it done.
0: Before we let you go, where can we find you on the socials? So you can find CD at Chloe
1: Digital and you can find me at Chloe Adelia.
0: Hey guys, thanks for listening to Work Thrive. And if you like this episode, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts as it allows other ambitious women like yourselves to find the show. And if you want to join the community, head over to Instagram up.